You're listening to audio from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. If you'd like to learn more about Parkview, find more resources, or give to our ministry, please visit parkviewchurch.org. So good to be with you all on this 2023 Sunday morning. I'm going to miss them. You're not? I mean, we'll do it in 2024, but I mean, sorry. That wasn't supposed to go that way. We've been examining why God took on flesh, the Son of Heaven, and today's the final sermon in that series. And I know that I've been kind of walking us back through this in review and repetition, but I, I want us to really grasp what's going on here. The Son took on flesh to reveal God to us so that we would know the truth, addressing our, our greatest need. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. We, we see a, a picture of God here through Christ. The Son takes on flesh, revealing the character of God. In revealing within that the, the attitude or the condemnation of sin. We, we've got the holiness of God and, and then the failure and sinfulness of, of man. And, and we can't commingle the two. And so in this plan of mercy... The Son takes on flesh. And in so doing, He's able to bestow grace upon us. Upon those of us who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus in faith. In that, we find forgiveness. Because by taking on flesh, He could then go to the cross for us and pay for our sins as the worthy sacrifice, the only worthy sacrifice. And what's beautiful in so doing, we see how much God loves us and he hurts for us who hurt. He he cares for us. And and in the middle of it, we see his majesty and glory. It's wonderful. But most importantly, it shows us the way to him. It, It fulfills our greatest need. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's an exclusive statement, but it's important, isn't it? The Son took on flesh. He became man, and that, that, in fact, is so central to Scripture. We have to understand it. The word Jesus took on flesh and, and dwelt among men and women. There are varying schools of thought out there. I know that, and I, and I understand that. And you can have all the ideas you want, but at some point the truth becomes exclusive. And the truth remains the truth. I keep reminding you of the Scripture because I think it's important when we look at this where, where Paul writes, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And again, I asked that question last week. How can you have two polar opposite ideas about the same reality? Is it foolishness or is it the power of God? And it comes down to whether or not there is sight. Is there sight of it or is there spiritual blindness? The Bible teaches that God took on flesh, humbling himself, reducing himself to our level, Philippians 2. Words of Tim Keller. There's no way to have a real relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. Christmas tells us that God became breakable and fragile. 
God became someone we could hurt. Why? To get us back. No other religion, whether secularism or Greco-Roman paganism or Eastern religion or Judaism or Islam, believes that God became breakable or suffered or had a body. We, we saw also that God took on flesh to experience and, and model life for us so that he could help us. Experiencing human life. Able to call men brothers. Like them in every way. We're talking about the humanity of Jesus. He's able to sympathize. I'm so glad that I have a God who understands what it's like. By the way, I think it's fascinating when people will venture away from Christ using the excuse of what they see in Christians. It gives a tremendous amount of power to that person that they are looking at. But, but they're missing out on, on, we, on the fact that we have a model in Christ, a picture of how it should be. First uh, Peter 2, we're, we're to follow in his steps. And First John 2, we're to walk as Jesus did. And the Gospels define how Jesus lived. We can understand better what Jesus would do when we look at what he actually did do. How he valued prayer. If he was choosing disciples, he prayed all night. Or, or how he dealt with critics. How he remained silent at points when we would want to get defensive of ourselves and speak. Or how he turned traps into teaching moments. How we spoke in parables so people could understand. How he lived as a model to us, but also how he died. When we remember the humanity of Christ, I want to tell you the cross hurt. But not just physically. Also how he did the will of the Father. He, Jesus said, I always do what pleases him. Two weeks ago, Pastor Will uh, taught us this, the Son became man to defeat sin and death. Now we can be saved. Ephesians 2, though we were dead and trapped under the wrath and unable to change, we were made alive together with Christ by faith. I hope that's good news to you today. Last Sunday, Christmas Eve, we noted that the Son became man to bring light of life to those who were trapped in darkness. Jesus, speaking to a group, group of people not unlike you and I, said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he said, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Isn't that great? We don't have to be lost and confused. And finally today, we see that God takes on flesh to rule on David's throne. And there is our hope. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask you to take this time now and use it. And Father, I trust that as we have gone through this study, we have gained an appreciation and an understanding of what the significance is of the incarnation of Christ. Father, don't let any of us miss it. Help us to appreciate it even more or let it inspire us to change even by his power. Father, we commit this time to you and we ask you to use it. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.
So here we are on the final day of 2023. And like Thomas mentioned earlier, by now you are aware of what goals you, you met and what goals you came close to meeting and what goals you abandoned January 14th of last year. Let's be honest. You're aware now of what, what joys would come in 2023. And you're aware now of what tragedies would come. It's amazing to me how diligently we can plan and try to work things out, but the reality is we never exactly know, do we? There are so many surprises and so few certainties in life, right? I want you to consider with me just a few of the certainties that we might have just if we are people who live here in America or reside here. We have... Maybe at least comparatively, when we look at other uh, nations, we have a, a pretty stable economy. Now it's gone through some different loops lately, but there's some sense of certainty there. We have certainty about some of the freedoms that we have. We know what we can and what we can't do. We, we know how uh, we can function. We have a certain level of stability in life, and we're pretty certain of that. We, we pretty much can know what a week would look like and, and what, thing, what things we can expect. If we run into issues with our health, we, we have a health care system that's, that's very good. And as long as we have the insurance and can afford it or whatever, we can get the care that we need, whatever the issues might be. We're very big into our rights here in America, so you know that you have uh, uh, some level of certainty related to the rights uh, of how uh, you can function in life. And you've got the rule of law. You know that if certain things go wrong, you can uh, at least hopefully have the law uh, back you up if you're in the right. I would suggest that many of us don't have to try very hard to find things to complain about, though. I mean, you probably have your favorite list. But when it's all said and done, you're probably happy uh, to be uh, here in America. Yes, we are on the dawn of an election year. And it proves to be a, another a dynamic one. Another divisive one. And that creates some stress because we know that elections have an effect on what it means to live in this country. And it kind of can rattle some of that certainty. But now I want you to leave that mindset of here in America and go to what it must be like in Ukraine. Or even Israel or Palestine. Turmoil and upheaval... Uh, uncertainty, and perhaps it makes you grateful for the peace we have. Now again, the sun took on flesh, and we've been hitting this hard because it's so central. And just a few mo moments ago, Lauren read for us Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, or shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we know it goes on on the throne of David and over his kingdom shall reign forevermore. So one more time. Okay, why? God takes on flesh to rule on David's throne. 
And we find a, a promise and a person, or the purpose and a plan. Look with me at Psalm 132, verse 11. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. Again, this is speaking of the Davidic covenant, the, the promise. Remember all the way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. There's a, a prophecy here within that promise. A, a forever kingdom. Psalm 89 says, you, you, you have said, I have made my covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Later on in Psalm 89, verse 28, we read more about it. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever. And my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Even, even though these people will screw up, and if they screw up, I'll deal with them, but I will not break my word. I will keep my word. I won't violate my covenant. I will not lie to David. Like the moon, it's established forever. A faithful witness in the skies. The psalmist goes on to, to what seems to be a prophetic lament for Christ before the resurrection. But you and I know that centuries later, we read of the promise kept through the person of Jesus. We were just there, Luke 1, verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Let's, let's think about this. We've got the, the promise, the covenant, the, the prophecy there. And then now we see the timing, the completion of these things. Uh, Mary will be with child. Yes. Give birth. Yes, she did. Son. It's a boy. Name. Jesus. Great, 
No question. Born of a virgin, a miracle worker, one who would give sight to the blind, one who would allow the lame to walk, the one who would raise the dead, one who would multiply food, one who would walk on water and calm storms, one who would rise from the dead. Great? I, I think so. Son of the Most High? For sure. And gets the throne of his father David to reign over the house of Jacob, a kingdom that will never end. I want you to just think about that for a moment. A kingdom that will never end. History tells us that empires come and go, don't they? Leaders rise and leaders fall. And we've got bad leaders. It's not hard to come up with a list of bad leaders. Herod the Great. Nero used to take Christians and, and use them as human torches, light them on fire to light the streets. Leaders like Stalin or Castro or Saddam Hussein, Caligula, who watched people sawn in two while he ate. Genghis Khan, Bin Laden, Hitler. But even look at the kings of Israel. After David, Israel and Judah had their share of terrible kings, didn't they? Evil King Ahab and his terrible wife Jezebel, slaying the prophets of God and killing off Naboth for, for a vineyard. And before that, remember Jeroboam reenacts re the golden calf incident. How, how ridiculous. That didn't go well the first time. I mean, the list of bad kings and their long is long, and, and their offenses are many. And so why do you think that the Hebrew nation would be glad that a ruler would come out of the house and lineage of David and would rule with justice and righteousness? That person is Jesus. The book of Matthew begins, the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Abraham. And goes on, has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Horn symbolizes strength, this powerful salvation. The promise was about the person of Jesus, the son who took on flesh, who became man. The promise and the person and the plan. The Apostle Paul said, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory, 2 Timothy. Do you realize that? So that you may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is not a temporary salvation. It's an eternal one. It's a wonderful salvation. Jesus takes on flesh. He becomes man, fulfilled countless prophecies, dies for our sins, raised from the dead in victory. Descendant of David, fulfilling prophecy and offers eternal salvation, eternal glory. Can we grasp that? I think we struggle. We don't understand things that are eternal, do we? We un understand everything is temporary. 
Even the Energizer Bunny stops at some point. The son became man to rule on David's throne, and there is our hope if we are in Christ. I hope you know that. You know, people place their hope in a lot of different things, don't they? So many different things. In a university community like this, how much hope do we place in education? And it's a good thing to do. Working hard and even realizing a tremendous amount of debt in many cases in the hope that this education will then turn into good employment and will turn into a chance to use the things you know in a thing you're passionate about and earn income. A lot of people in our nation put a lot of hope in, in health and fitness. And they're very serious about it. And you've got to drink only bottled water, and it's got to be out of a certain bottle, and it's got to be called smart or, or healthy or something, right? And you've got to work hard and do your exercise and, and, and make better time on your run and all that because you're putting a lot of hope in that. We put some of our host, hope in just being at, at peace. And the idea of war in, in the Middle East, it, it makes us uneasy, Right? Because we don't, we don't hope for that. We put our hope in family. As long as uh, the family's good and as long as we have the right people in our life, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. Or, or money. As long as we have enough uh, saved up so we can retire well. I will never forget one Sunday back when the recession was, was hitting. I remember just going up and greeting one of the men from our church and I just said, how are you doing? He said, I'm not good. I said, tell me more. He said, have you seen the market? I've lost so much. And he made a suicidal statement. Our hope can't be there. It can't be in things. If we just have enough stuff, then, then, then we have hope. Or, or just if we have love, the right relationship, then, 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 then we have hope. Or we can't have our hope in, in elected leaders. We've got primaries coming. Folks, if that's our hope, if you are in Christ, brothers and sisters, our hope must be placed in the one who will rule and reign forever. That's where our hope has to be. Remember from the book of Acts, Peter was speaking after the arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And he said in chapter 2, verse 29, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. King David was the, the great king of Israel. But Peter reminds them, listen, as great as David was, he has passed away. And he's buried. And his tomb exists. 
But God made him a promise. God made a covenant with him. And it was about Jesus who took on flesh, who lived without sin, who, who died on the cross in our place. But he did not remain in the grave. And Peter's saying, we here are witnesses of that. Now Christ is exalted. Later the Spirit would lead Peter to write in his first epistle, chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The story is not over. It gets even better. Having faith in Jesus lives, means that we can live each day in anticipation of the joy before us. I don't know what life is like for you right now. And, he, and Thomas was asking you to think about what that. What, what are your struggles? We all struggle from time to time. Are you living in physical pain or failing health? Uh, is anxiety or fear overwhelming you or your job is difficult or there's relational stresses or, or grief? In Christ, you can know it will be okay in the end. There's another ruler who will help us. We can endure anything with that in mind. Why is that our hope? As Christians, Christ's resurrection is our living hope. Had he not risen from the dead, what hope would there be? But that resurrection, it, it comes for us with an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled. That means it cannot rot. It, it can't decay or drop in value. It can't be ruined. It does not fade. But it's reserved in heaven for us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, who are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. We can find our strength in him. I know I'm taking you all over scripture, but we're just doing that in this series. Hebrew 12, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Generations have gone before us in the hope of Christ's resurrection, that he's accomplished it. The faith has sustained them. And the, 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 term, the idea here is to lay down our burdens and our fears and to follow after the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's the plan. Who, who took on fl flesh and went to the cross and rose again, defeating sin and death. 
and now has sat down at the right hand of God. He, he can sit down because the work is finished. Your salvation has been purchased. 1 John 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that the world did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Oh, I can't imagine. That we will be like him. Him whose kingdom will never end. Never ending kingdom. Do you realize that's a long time? That's a long time. Look with me one more time at Isaiah 9. Let's look at 6 and 7. I'll read it for you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be, hear me, no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Do you realize that the ruler who will rule for eternity is righteous and just? But that means we need his righteousness because of our impurity and our sin. We, we can't come in that way. We have to come in cloaked in his righteousness. But he shares it with us. While I'm grateful to be a citizen of this nation, I want you to know I'm far more grateful to be a citizen of God's eternal kingdom. It gives me so much peace. Paul David Tripp writes, Peace is not found in the degree of our faithfulness to God, but in the utterly unshakable nature of his faithfulness to the commitment of grace he has made to us. I'm so glad that my faith and, and my eternity is sustained by God's power and not my own. Folks, the ultimate question comes down to the fact that the one who rules and reigns for eternity in God's kingdom. He invites us to be a citizen, but you either are or you aren't. This message brings hope or it doesn't. And the hope that it brings is, is for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to know that they are members of an eternal kingdom with a ruler who shares his righteousness with us, who has taken our sins upon himself and taken them to the cross and done away with it, dealt with the wrath of God. And he invites us to be children by faith, to be adopted in. And the fact that he will rule and reign on David's throne forever only means something to you if you are a citizen of heaven through faith in Christ. God's word is clear to warn us of coming judgment and to be watchful and waiting for his return. 
But the way to be ready is through faith in Jesus Christ. I hope you can say by faith that, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That you understand that him taking on flesh and living without sin and going to the cross and dying in your place was to purchase your ticket to eternity to be a member of his kingdom forever. I hope you have that peace today. God took on flesh to reveal himself to us so we would know the truth addressing our greatest need to experience and model life for us so he can help us, to defeat sin and death, and now we can be saved and to rule on David's throne, and there is our hope. If you know this and you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you just as I wind down this sermon just to be thinking about what do I need to do to represent the kingdom well in this year coming up? Do I look like a citizen of heaven? Or do I just look and live like everybody else? This is not to earn our salvation, but it's to represent our Lord well. Would you join me in prayer? Would you take a moment silently, just where you're sitting, to prepare your own heart? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe now is that moment to invite him to be Lord and Savior. Just recognizing your own sinfulness and recognizing that Jesus paid it all when he went to the cross. Just thanking him for that and asking him to be Lord of your life. And being a child of God by faith, member of the eternal kingdom. If you're here and you know that's true of you, would you just... Say, Lord, help me to live in such a way that shows my gratitude for what you have done. Help me to honor you. To be a reflection of that truth and of your righteousness. Father, we just pause and we give you thanks and, and praise and we're overwhelmed by the truth of your word. None of us would have ever dreamed up such a plan to deal with the sins of humanity. But Father, we thank you that in your infinite wisdom, in your love and your mercy, you would send your Son to take on flesh, to endure life, and to endure suffering, and to endure your wrath upon sin in our place. Father, our minds are blown as we consider that. But Father, we thank you that our Christ, our ruler, is one that the grave could not defeat. And Father, we look forward to our eternal kingdom in heaven with you. God, we're so grateful. And Lord, we just say, come Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, would you just allow us to represent you well, to honor you, and to be a light for people who are still in darkness, that they might know the way to your eternal kingdom. Father, we give you thanks and praise and our adoration. And we do it in the name of Jesus Christ, our eternal Lord and Savior. Amen.